You're listening to The Jay Barker Show on Tide 100.9 in Tuscaloosa. Welcome into the program. Big Noon Sports presented by Haley Sansing, Union Home Mortgage. Appreciate all of you dialing us in before your radio melts into your dashboard. It's just incredibly hot. Don't need to tell you, but it is there. I will caution the rest of this week. Stay hydrated. Take care of your pets, the elderly. You know the drill, but pay attention to it because I think tomorrow or the next day we're due to hit 100, which means heat index in uh, like 112 to 115. Um, I try and minimize my amount of time outside uh i really do but uh just be careful folks and i I know that spreads over to football uh some high school changes are going to be made this week perhaps moving some kickoffs back i don't know that it affects the college football world except lars i'm not sure i would want to be donning full crimson pads or orange and blue this week because uh that's really taking a toll on a body yeah, and it can be very dangerous if you don't stay hydrated and the, the trainers aren't just on top of every single play and, and carefully monitoring every player. Um, and uh, But, you know, in the long run, this actually helps the team because it, it improves their stamina, improves their conditioning. Uh, but practicing in this kind of heat is just uh, absolutely brutal. But, um, hey, we are four days away from week zero. And uh, finally, you know, we get to not talk about NIL, transfer portal. Um, we get to talk about uh, a guy like uh, the Maple Missile. This is the person, this is the one player I'm most excited about seeing in week zero. He plays for Ohio, and Ohio is going to be at San Diego State. And his name is Curtis Rourke. He's a, a quarterback for uh, the Bobcats. And I think if there is one team uh, in the group of five that has a chance to crash the party and and sneak into the uh, college football playoffs, Ohio is my team. And it's all because of Curtis Rourke, whose nickname is so good, the Maple Missile. Um, and uh, last year... Um, uh, he, uh, led Ohio to an eight and three record, threw for about 3,200 yards, 25 touchdowns, only four picks. And he is just, he's a fun, fun player to watch. Uh, he's from Canada. Again, really great nickname, Maple Missile. But I, I did see him play one game last year against Fordham. And he was 41 of 50 for 537s and four touchdowns. No. Uh, he is fun, fun to watch. And that is, to me, the, the, the most intriguing game of week zero is Ohio at San Diego State because it will, and it's gonna, it's on at, uh, six o'clock central on, uh, Fox Sports One. Um, it's gonna introduce the country, I think, to this kid, uh, Curtis Rourke and uh keep an eye on him and uh also but you know the the marquee game obviously is navy uh versus notre dame uh in ireland at 1:30 central on nbc and um and you know if you're notre dame i don't think you want to be playing navy in the first game of the season 
and I know that the the midshipmen have a have a new coach, and so we you don't really know what you're going to get. Like you know, uh, they for years have been a triple option team, and I know that's being phased out of uh, of the middies offense and you know I, I that sort of breaks my heart a little bit because i love i love the triple option but um this could i, I don't think necessarily navy is going to win this game or even keep it close but there's a little bit of danger for Notre Dame because you just don't know what you're going to be facing in Navy other than the fact that Navy is they always play you tough they don't make mistakes and they capitalize on your mistakes and uh in in but uh, from the Notre Dame side it'll be fun to watch Sam Hartman play and of course everything always leads back to Alabama and cuz I think Sam Hartman really is the is the reason why uh, Tyler Buckner decided to transfer from Notre Dame to Alabama uh, because it was pretty clear when Notre Dame went into the transfer portal to get Sam Hartman, who was at Wake Forest, uh, and he's a, he's a pro prospect, no doubt about it. Um, but the fact that they went and got him sort of sent the message, right, to Tyler Buckner that uh, we have our guide, it's, it's Sam Hartman. And um, so th- th- those are two sort of storylines two games, the two games that I'm most interested in seeing in week zero. And the reason they call it week zero is because not all the teams are playing. I hate the name week zero. Uh, the first week zero, the beginning of week zero, of course, began with Nebraska playing in the old kickoff classic in uh, Giant Stadium in the New Jersey Meadowlands. Uh, they beat Penn State in 1983, 44-6. I'll never forget that game. Um, but that was the first week zero game. And, uh, and, and here we are. And, and Matt, um, just, I, I know you were out yesterday attending to some affairs, but, um, you know, we did discuss the Alabama scrimmage, uh, on Saturday, uh, and sort of what we learned, uh, just from, you know, the, the sources that we talked to. And also, uh, why in the heck does, doesn't Nick Saban open these up to reporters? I don't get that uh, because with word leaks out anyway. But what, what, I think what we learned is that Jalen Milrow, uh, you know, he's, he took the he started at, at with the uh, first team, taking reps with the first string, and I think it's safe to assume that Jalen Milrow will be the starter week one. Um, especially just if you kind of you just go back and and you look at Nick Saban's history. Um, he usually goes with the, the quarterback that has the, the most experience and with the first team. And we, we saw him do this before. We saw him do it with Blake Barnett, with Jalen Hurts, with Philip Sims, uh, with A.J. McCarron. And then he just sort of lets it shake out. And I do think um, the second quarterback in will be Simpson. And then I think Buckner will get a chance, as uh, according to reports, that Buckner had a few really nice moments on Saturday in the, in the scrimmage, uh, culminating with a, a long touchdown throw. Um, but uh, that, that's kind of where things stand, at least from where I sit. Uh, with the quarter or with the, with the quarterback situation at Alabama, and and Matt, I think that's in line kind of with what you and I have been thinking all along. Well, 
I'll say one week one thing, one week the next. That depends on who you hear from. And then, you know, you also have to consider the loyalty factor of Nick Saban. And I think that will play um, a lot in this particular decision. And keep in mind, all three may play. In, who knows? Wondering may play. Uh, they may all play in this game. But, um, unfortunately, some breaking news now from the NFL. Uh, Titans, Tennessee Titans cornerback, he was not at home, but Caleb Farley's house exploded last night in Mooresville, North Carolina, and it killed the one person occupying the home. The details here are um, little at this time. The house was totally destroyed, and it was confirmed that one male was deceased, deceased and another was transported to a local hospital. So uh, keep your thoughts and prayers on Mooresville, North Carolina, and Caleb's family and friends. All right, uh, when we get back, I want you guys to catch me up just a little bit more on the scrimmage. And then, boom, the big news, uh, apparently in college football, is the commitment of a kid about 80 miles from us. We'll talk about that on Big Noon Sports. Tuscaloosa weather. Sizzling summer weather continues today. The sky's sunny. Tuscaloosa's high 99. Tonight fair with a low at 76. For tomorrow and Thursday, very hot and dry. Hazy sunshine both days with highs near 100. I'm James Spann on the ABC 3340 Weather Center on Tide 100.9. It's 97 degrees in Tuscaloosa. The best sports talk in Alabama. This is Big Noon Sports. Presented by Haley Samsing. Thank you. Line lineup today. Uh, in just a few minutes, we'll be joined by Mick Gillespie. All things Alabama and all things baseball. And um, in the second hour, we'll be joined by Andrew Bone. And one of the reasons I contacted him this morning is what I read this morning. Uh, I don't know about y'all, but I had not heard of Julian Lewis until this morning. And now he is everywhere. If you haven't heard on the earlier shows, and I'm sure many of you did, he is a 6'1", 195-pound sophomore quarterback. He has committed to the University of Southern California for 2026. Yeah, that means he's going into his sophomore year. The numbers he put up as a freshman would make him the top recruit of that class, if not the top recruit we've talked about here recently. This young man passed for 4,000. This is a high school year, y'all. 4,118 yards, 48 touchdowns, and only 12 interceptions. This kid looks great. He's a sophomore. But again, it shows you the power of one Lincoln Riley. Because not only does he now have Caleb Williams, the returning Heisman Trophy winner, but sitting right behind him is Malachi Nelson. And now they got this kid coming in. So they've got him spread out for the next six or seven years. And I know Alabama's not happy, but man, I gotta believe Kirby Smart's just shaking his head. But I will say this, I don't know this for certain, but I would certainly assume, and we know what happens when you do that, but um, I would think NIL factored into this greatly. Well, he certainly looks the part. 
and um, he is uh, the most highly touted, going to be the most highly touted, if not already, uh, prospect to come out of Georgia since Trevor Lawrence. And the fact that he uh, committed this early, one, it's this does not you know, written in stone or chiseled in stone. Um, He's just, he's two games into his sophomore year at Carrollton High. But uh, still, I think it it does illustrate a larger point that Lincoln Riley, (laughs) he can recruit quarterbacks as good as anyone, probably better than anyone in the country because quarterbacks have seen the success that Lincoln Riley has had in developing, you know, going back to Baker Mayfield and, uh, you know, just it's a long list of, uh, of quarterbacks that have flourished in under Lincoln Riley's tutelage. And, um, you know, he to me, it's just a matter of time until USC is consistently in the mix for the college football playoffs because he is building that roster, um, you know, player by player. Uh, and I know that Oklahoma fans are still incredibly upset with Lincoln Riley for raiding the Sooners roster. And he's made life very difficult for Brent Venables at Oklahoma, uh, because of, uh, because they just, Oklahoma has not been the same offensive team since Lincoln Riley left and took, oh, their best player with him to USC. And, uh, but I, I, you know, I always, I've always liked Lincoln Riley, but it seems that the, 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 the opinion of a lot of people is kind of changing on him. What, what, what do you think? What, what is your assessment of Lincoln Riley? I think the same way you do, which is not all that unusual, but, uh, you know, you see him go out to the West Coast and in addition to his salary, didn't they buy him like a seven, eight million dollar beat? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That, now that place is, that place is amazing. Remember, I, we did a full breakdown of it yeah, when he Saban's bought Saban's got when... him beat on beach houses. Okay. The one yes, he does. God kicks his butt. But yeah, um, he is a great recruiter. You, what you said about quarterbacks and getting them to USC, um, he's the best in the nation. Um, yeah, I do think nationally his opinion has changed just a little bit. But here's a question, and, and I'm throwing it out there immediately because I don't know the answer. Um, I have a suspicion of the answer, and I'll ask Andrew Bone in an hour. But if this kid had signed with Missouri, could he start getting NIL money now? I mean, if he was committed, if he yes, if he was from the state of Missouri, right? Yeah. So if he lived in Missouri, Missouri could yes, he could be collecting millions of dollars. If this kid was a millionaire driving a BMW and living in his own house. Yeah, absolutely. Um, But yeah, I wanted to get a little more specific on Lincoln Riley. He has mentored three Eisman Trophy winners at quarterback, Baker Mayfield, Kyler Murray, and Caleb Williams. He also, we also saw what he did with Jalen Hurts. I mean, do you think Jalen Hurts is as good and as successful in the NFL today as he would be if he never went to Oklahoma? 
No, but I think he would have gotten up to speed quickly. But I don't think yeah. he would have gotten there as quickly as he did in the short amount of time and leading the Eagles to the Super Bowl. That was just remarkable by anybody's observation. But I think in a couple of years, had he stayed at Alabama, whatever the case may be, uh, he would have gotten to this level. But there's no question that Lincoln Riley expedited that process. And have you seen a quarterback improve more in the span of about three years than than uh, Jalen Hurts? I mean, going from being benched in the national championship game because he absolutely could not do anything against Georgia uh, to, um, you know, and accepting that and being a great teammate. And, uh, you know, I still think that that's a huge reason why Jalen Hurts will always be um, one, Nick, one of Nick Saban's favorite players, but I also think one of Al, Alabama fans' favorite players, right? Because of just how he handled that situation with such class and dignity and, and he's so team first, team first and, uh, showed, displayed great leadership qualities. Um, and you, you combine those leadership qualities, leadership lessons that he learned from Nick Saban with the on-field development that he received from Lincoln Riley. And it's like you almost have sort of (laughs) the perfect player, right? (laughs) Yeah, but with all that's uh, said about what he learned at Alabama and his his strength and literally his strength, uh, his commitment, his loyalty, and then how much Lincoln Riley helped him the, the real success of Jalen Hurts is Jalen Hurts. Man, yeah. that guy works so hard all the time. He is a wonderful young man. Um, he treats everybody re- with respect, and I think that all carries over to why he was, what, second up in the um, National League MVP voting last year? Yeah, yep, and why he's, currently the, why he's currently the highest-paid player in the NFL. Um, soon to be surpassed by Joe Burrow, of course. Is Cincinnati. he okay? Is his yeah. calf oh, yeah. going to be all right? He, he looks sure great. Is. He looks great. I, I guarantee you he will be starting week one against the Ravens um, in what is a pretty – or sorry, week one against the Browns. They play the Ravens week two. And uh, today also is a very uh, significant day for uh, Cincinnati Bengals fans because – the seniors committee, the Hall of Fame, is uh, are ma- are making their selection. Right today is the day that uh, they are going to pick three players, and uh, it's they've narrowed the list down to twelve. I'm trying to find that list really quick. Um, well, of course, they, they, we're leading that because of Kenny Anderson. Yes, right. so Ken Anderson. So yes, it, it, so he's he's my yeah he's my all time. Yeah, he's my all-time favorite. Um, okay, the other eleven um, are uh, Randy Gratishar. Man, he was a great linebacker for no for uh, the Denver Broncos. Uh, I won't name all of them, but the uh, Sterling Sharp, that member Packers wide receiver, uh, Chuck Howley played for the Cowboys, linebacker, and he's the Joe- only. Only player uh, in the history of the Super Bowl to win MVP and not win the game. Did you know that? Oh wait a second, I, I, I've got this wrong. I've totally, me- oh, okay. I totally messed this up. I thought he was in, but uh, yes, he, he is. I, I, I got. I'm naming the people that were in from last year. 
Um, gosh, well, I should be able to can, find this. I've um, got time because I, I want to send uh, thoughts out to the uh, family of Maxie Bond. Uh, when I was a young kid and watching the Rams play, he was just a beast. He was from Alabama. He played at Georgia Tech. He's a Yellow Jackets Hall of Famer. But uh, Maxie Bond was, I think, an eight-time pro bowler. But um, from what all I've read this morning, I never had the chance to meet him. But from all I've read about his abilities on the football, he was equally a great man off the field. But he passed away at the age of 85, so... Um, Long live the memory of one Maxi Bond. Did you find him? Did I give yeah, you that time? So, okay. Yes. Uh, Ken Anderson, Maxi Bond, Roger Craig, uh, former Nebraska running back, had a great career with the 49ers. Randy Gratishar, uh, Joe Jacoby, uh, who is a, a, I think he was a member of the Hogs, right? Uh, offensive line oh, yeah. for, for Washington. Uh, Albert Lewis, terrific cornerback, played most of his career with the uh, Kansas City Chiefs. Steve McMichael, uh, defensive tackle on that great 85 Bears team. Uh, Eddie Medor, Eddie Medor, uh, Art Powell, Sterling Sharp, Otis Taylor, Al Wister. Otis Taylor. Yeah. I used to pretend I was him in my backyard all the time. Great Kansas City teams. Um, golly. I don't know. I tell you what, Anderson's up against a very, very tough competition. Well, it, it, this is, this should be his year. Because of these 12 finalists, three were finalists last year, and and Ken was one of them. And traditionally, if you are a finalist one year and then you are a finalist the second year, you make it in that second year. And we the the they, the vote I think is it's over a conference call, uh, and uh, and we should find out any minute. And I know that Ken is actually on vacation in Italy. And so uh, we'll see. But, uh, yeah, so for me personally, this is a huge day. I've been waiting like 25 years. Ever since Ken retired in, I think, 1983, I have been waiting for this day. <laughs> and Do you think when he's walking there by the Coliseum, people go, Go Eagles! <laughs> I did see that uh, uh, there was a clip of Michael Jordan walking around Italy and uh, people were making a goat sound when they ran into <laughs> him. <laughs> oh, that just struck me. That is just weird. I, yeah, I know, I know. In Italy, you know. <laughs> He's probably the most recognized athlete uh, on the planet right now. Hey, we got a break. Mix next on Big Noon Sports. to the Plains. This is Alabama's most in-depth analysis on the SEC. This is Big Noon Sports. Wow. That was Big Noon Sports, Matt Bars. Mick, you with me? Mick, how are you? Well, I don't hear uh, I guess we, 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 How about we, now? We, Roll Tide. Hey, there we Stop go. Down. All right. It's coming to <laughs> life. I was talking to myself. Oh, wow. Oh, yeah. Hey, where are you and what's the weather? I'm in Fairhope right now and it's hot. 
<laughs> Even on the water with a breeze, it's steaming in it. I'm not, I, and I was just saying that I'd love to be on the water, but I've been so busy with work stuff. I don't know if I'm going to get on there until the weekend. Well, it's still going to be hot, by the way, so you can avoid it then, as you probably could have tonight. All right. Uh, I guess we'll start with this past weekend scrimmage. Uh, from what you've read and then from your sources there in Tuscaloosa, any observations from Mick Gillespie? Well, I'm still confident that the offensive line is going to be the position group that we need to watch the most. I think that the, that they're in good shape as far as the starters go. And then I really believe Nick when he says they're trying to develop some, you know, backups in that role. Uh, I also don't see a leader in the quarterback spot. We could see possibly three guys play quarterback in that first game against MTSU, and it could be just as much to throw off Texas and to give them less to game plan for, or more to game plan for, rather, um, than not having a guy. But I I feel like the longer that this goes on, and no one's really taking the bull by the horns there, that that Jalen Milrow may be the guy when it's all said and done. Yeah, I think... um we were talking about this uh just a couple minutes ago that if you just look at Nick Saban's history and you know who he likes who how how these quarterback uh battles shake out he usually starts with the guy who has the most experience been in the system the longest uh understands the system and that would be Mill Rowe and I think we will see all three of them and maybe Dylan Lonergan too who's generating a lot of buzz uh in the the week one game uh but what's really important is you know who's going to take the majority of snaps against Texas but uh, Mick, going back to, to Lonergan, uh, the true freshman, uh, what what are you hearing about him? I'm hearing the same thing, that the guy's been super impressive and that he's kind of forcing them to take a look at him. It would be, well, I mean, anything can happen, obviously. And if he was the guy that Alabama felt most comfortable with and Nick Saban felt like ran the offense the way that he wanted it to, and the other part of it is who's going to make the least amount of mistakes? That, that's the problem that we have with Milrow. Um, we saw that in the Arkansas game, you know, just the way that he was holding the football and he was getting it stripped. And and then when you look at Bookter when he was at Notre Dame, you know, it's a lot of turnovers. If Lagergan's the guy who's not turning the ball over, who can move the offense, I would not be shocked if it's not his job. I mean, it, I, I, because... I, no one's really taken the the job yet, and I think that's what they're kind of hoping for. You know, we as pundits, we think, well, it's going to be one of the three guys that are, that are, you know, the most experienced guys. You know, two guys have started games, and one guy comes with a great pedigree and uh, and Ty Simpson. But you're talking about some of the best recruits in the country at that position, and if Dylan's the guy that, that decides that it's going to be his job and he wins it. He could be one of those guys that's quarterback at Alabama for a long time. Yeah. I wonder if yeah. um, Saban in using his uh, mental game and praising him to throttle the other three. That certainly wouldn't be the first time he has used that MO. Well, we saw him in the 8-8 game, though, and he was honestly the best of all the quarterbacks. So, we, I mean, we all left the 8-8 game going, okay, that guy 
that guy. He just has the he just has the look. He does. You know, so maybe that's what was right. I mean, that's what could, what could be playing out in practice that we're not allowed to be there for. So <laughs> anything's possible. We're past the day and age of not playing freshmen. That's just not the way it works anymore. And these guys come in, and they're so much more polished than they used to be back when Bear Bryant was head coach. And we used to say, well, you're going to lose a game for every freshman you start. You know, it's just not like that anymore with camps and video and, you know, everything else. You can you can step in as a, a true freshman and, and, and be a good quarterback. Yeah, were you surprised that um, Roydale Williams uh, was lining up with the first team on Saturday? Uh, and I think a, a lot of us thought that uh, Chase McKellen would be uh, that would be getting first team reps. And you know, this isn't like groundbreaking news or anything because it's going to be, I think most likely uh, running back by committee, at least at the beginning of the season. But were you surprised that, that uh, Roydell Williams uh, could be the, the number one guy to start the season? Well, he could be, but you're going to see a lot of chase depending on what their package is. Uh, Justice Haynes is going to be a guy we're going to see a lot, I think, too. Uh, well, you know, this that position, it, it's transferred so much from the days where you just fed the rock to the running back unless you have Derrick Henry and everyone else is hurt and you have to do it that way you know you you use two or three different guys and a lot of that just depends on what their skill set is what the package is so it doesn't surprise me but you know Roy Dale's been pretty solid for Alabama for a long time and you know I mean that you would think that it would be uh he and McClellan to be the two guys that would at least start the season with the majority of the carries is to, you know, justice kind of gets used to doing it. Hey, have you read the news about Julian Lewis, the uh, sophomore from Carrollton, Georgia, quarterbacks already committed to USC? You, you, no, I haven't seen that, but it, what is he, like 10 years old or something? Yeah, he's a class of 20, maybe. class of 2026. Yeah, class of 2026, and he's being hailed as sort of the biggest recruit to come out of Georgia since Trevor Lawrence. And, okay. and we were just, we, we, that kind of just led Matt and I to a larger discussion about Lincoln Riley and just what he's doing at USC. Do you, do you think that USC is going to be in the conversation for the college football playoffs sort of annually now that Lincoln Riley is starting to get all of his uh, his own players in place there in 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 uh, Los Angeles. Yeah, I would expect that. I mean, look, they're moving to a better conference, so they're going to have to step up. But there's also a lot more spots, you know. When you're talking about 12 playoff spots, and um, USC definitely has an attraction that a lot of other places don't. They have the history. They got a good head coach. So I, I'm curious to see how their style works when they're playing better competition week in and week out. But, look, we've lived through times where USC was uh, the lead of college football. So we know that it can happen. And uh, it very well could happen again. It all comes down to recruiting. I mean, if you're, if you're getting the best players, then you're going to compete. And another thing about USC, I mean, you bring up moving to the Big Ten, and that is a huge deal because – 
playing a game, say in uh, in uh, well in in L.A. or in in Westwood um, in October, just October November is a lot different than playing in East Lansing, Michigan, right, or in Lincoln, Nebraska in November and October. And I, I really think that it's going to hurt UCLA and USC the fact that they are going to be playing cold climate teams late in the year when they are practicing in this in the 80 degree sunshine of Los Angeles and then going to play in you know 10 degree weather in in snow in Columbus Ohio yeah that's a good point I'm you know curious how that works or you know maybe it benefits them that those teams have to travel and play in what would be heat to them you know I mean if you have good players you, you can overcome a lot of that stuff uh, but you're right I mean look, you go when you're playing in you know Michigan in you know October and it's really cold or in November <laughs> there's no way you're gonna where are you gonna prepare for that when you're you know out there but but with that said you know what though they, they had to play Utah they had to play Colorado and they got a pretty good record against those teams yeah, in uh you mentioned Michigan, uh some news coming out of Ann Arbor uh yesterday uh yesterday afternoon that um that Michigan has imposed self-imposed a three-game suspension on Jim Harbaugh to begin the season and this goes back to the uh alleged violations that were committed during the dead period of the the COVID-19 season. And obviously this is a preemptive move to try to mitigate, mitigate the suspension that will be handed down by the NCA for next year. And, um, and oh, by the way, Harbaugh is missing home games against East Carolina, UNLV and Bowling Green. Just your, your thoughts on, on this, uh, like I said, this is kind of a, a preemptive strike by Michigan. Well, I mean, it's the, it's definitely a risk because um, the NCA is so weak now. You know, maybe nothing would have happened. Yeah. Um, and and they look like easy games until you lose one of them. But at the same time, you know, if you're going to, you know, self-impose, you would do that against, you know, those teams instead of a, a conference opponents uh, like, uh, you know, Ohio State and, you know, whoever else. So uh, when it comes to the NCAA, I, I've never really been a huge fan the, the punishments are definitely lopsided. I mean, I see what happened to Alabama uh, back when I was in school. And, uh, you know, and the directors, you know, saying, hey, you're, you're staring down the barrel of a gun and da-da-da-da-da. And then, you know, schools do worse or coaches do worse and nothing happens, you know, or they, they, they slap you on the wrist. It just feels like there's – you just never really know what the what the crime is and what the punishment is and all that stuff. So. You know, is it going to matter that Harbaugh's not there? Probably not. Um, but, I mean, the the NCAA is just a toothless dog anyway. So, I mean, I guess they're just doing this in case something changes. Mick, as we go to break, and I'm trusting that you will hold on for a few more minutes. Uh, yeah. As we go to break, tell everybody where they can follow the Mick the Bar- Broadcaster. Check me out on Twitter, uh, at Mick the Broadcaster. And, uh uh, and uh, now I'm going to be part of uh, something else. We'll talk about that later, too. But uh, getting, getting excited about football, guys. 
Bono's billboards. We'll talk with Mick about that in just a minute. You're listening to Big Noon Sports presented by Haley Sansing, Union Home Mortgage. Securing the best mortgage possible requires a lender who has knowledge, is trustworthy, and treats customers like family. And no one is better at all of this than the mortgage miracle worker, Haley Sansing. Based right here in Tuscaloosa, Haley Sansing has spent decades working in the mortgage industry. With Haley, it's personal, holding your hand from contract to close. With Haley, it's about one thing, you. Call Haley on her cell, yes, her cell, 205-792-1813. That's 205-792-1813. Let Haley help you. NLMS number 230376. Tide 100.9, Tuscaloosa weather. Sizzling summer weather continues today. The sky's sunny, Tuscaloosa's high 99. Tonight, fair with a low at 76. Or tomorrow and Thursday, very hot and dry. Hazy sunshine both days with highs near 100. I'm James Spann on the ABC 3340 Weather Center on Tide 100.9. It's 96 degrees in Tuscaloosa. From T-Town to the Plains, this is Alabama's most in-depth analysis on the SEC. This is Big Noon Sports. Last week, Oregon with a phone. A huge billboard, side of a the side of a side of a building, the size of a size of a building. Um, a bow, I think it says bodacious on the back of his shirt. And this is not unusual. Uh, they did it. Oregon did it several years ago with uh, Joey Harrington. But uh, now uh, there is a another superstar, supersized billboard in Dallas that says Bo Nix. Um, they are pushing this guy for the Heisman big time, aren't they, Mick? Yeah, look, and it's a good thing to do because when you're going out and you're trying to bring in players uh, from the transfer portal and you can say, hey, look at the campaign that we put together for Bo Nix, that's going to make someone else think, hey, you know what, maybe they'll do the same thing for me. Yeah, and um, that's a really good point. And I think Bo Nix has a chance. I mean, I think he's got a chance to at least get an invite to New York based on what he did last year. Um, Mick, we are four days away now uh, from week zero, from uh, from actual kickoff of uh, college football season. Are there any matchups that intrigue you? Uh, we talked a little bit about Navy versus Notre Dame and uh, Notre Dame. Obviously, they bring in former Wake Forest quarterback Sam Hartman, uh, who's, uh, I would argue, the most coveted player in the transfer portal. And that, I think, hastened the uh, departure of Tyler Buckner to Alabama. And um, uh, just uh, in there again, going going against Navy, the Navy team that has a new coach. Uh, they're trying, to, I think, to, to phase out the the triple option, and so you don't really know what you're getting with Navy. And, and Navy always plays uh, tough, disciplined, smart football. Um, but it would be a huge upset <laughs> to, to beat Notre Dame. And the other game that I find interesting too is Ohio at San Diego State. 
um, with uh, Ohio is uh, sort of one of a, a one of a few teams in the group of five that I think has a chance to actually it's an outside chance it's a long shot chance but it's a chance to squeeze into the four-team college football playoff and that's mainly because of their quarterback uh, Curtis Rourke who has his great nickname the Maple Missile uh, and he's just uh, an electric player but uh, are those games interest you anything else just your thoughts on week zero yeah look and, and that's like a two and a half point spread um, San Diego State I think they're trying to push to get into one of these, well, the, whatever, a big conference. Yeah, interesting. I, I don't know too much about that, but I do want to see Cam Hartman run the Notre Dame offense. This this kind of reminds me of Notre Dame back when Lou Holtz was head coach. And they would always have, like, that amazing quarterback. And then, you know, even going back before, uh, where, you know, Notre Dame was a quarterback factory. So... You know, is this guy going to be like Steve Berline? Is he going to be like Joe Montana? You know, is he going to be like uh, uh, Doug Flutie? He's already done that at, at Wake Forest, but now that you put him at Notre Dame, it's going to be fun to see what's going on there. This is a weapon that the Irish haven't had, and they've been a pretty competitive bunch, uh, mostly under Brian Kelly, but um, we'll see what happens. That, that's, that game's definitely something. And plus, um, they're playing in Ireland, you know, so... Um, Pretty pretty cool venue out there. I, I thought that the, the slate was pretty weak. I watch uh, Hawaii and Vanderbilt just because you know we we sent so many uh, thoughts and prayers out to everyone on Maui uh, after the the big you know the big uh, fire and everything. And uh, I'm sure that Hawaii will be playing with a lot of emotion against Vanderbilt. Vanderbilt's like an, an 18 point favorite, so. You know, it would be an upset. But Vandy's been a team that's been getting better, too. Um, maybe maybe get you get a look at um, USC. You know, that could be interesting. Look, I know they're a huge favorite over San Jose State. But San Jose State's been pretty competitive uh, over the last few years. Uh, so, you know, who knows? But I, th- this wasn't a slate of activity that I said, oh, wow, I mean, we got a lot of marquee matchups. But it is college football, and at this point, I mean, I'll take whatever they give. And the thing about the San Jose State, USC, it's on the Pac-12 network. Like, who is going to see Caleb Williams, the reigning Heisman Trophy winner, likely number one overall pick in 2024 of the NFL draft, make his debut? I mean, seriously, like, I don't understand why that game is on the Pac-12 network. Yeah, the, that, that's that's dying, you know, at the end of the year, right? <laughs> it's, uh, uh, it's folding, from what I understand. So, I, I don't know. I mean, the, the the you know one of the biggest problems that you have is, is if you start one of these networks is carriage. You got to have people to, to put it out there. I've seen it, you know, just you know with the Cubs network, Marquee. You know, so no matter how good or bad your product is, if people can't get it, then it it really doesn't matter, right? So. Uh, is that the reason why the Pac-12 broke up? Partly, but um, they, you know, they, they they probably should have done a better job of when they put that whole thing together. I, I will promise you guys though that I'll find a way to watch. Hey, uh, Lars mentioned uh, his kind of long shot pick um, in Ohio, the Bobcats. Have you got one? I would I would throw Tulane out there. What about Mick Gillespie? Mm, that's a good one. You know, that's something I haven't even thought about. 
as far as like what's a team that could come out of nowhere and and make a run you know that's that's such a good question yeah that requires some research, <laughs> but uh, yeah, well, yeah, that's yeah, I, I, that's definitely one you're just not going to throw off the hip. Maybe maybe the raging cages of uh, uh, of, of Louisiana, you know, they, they're they always seem to have like you know one of those seasons where they'll pop up. But I, I have no idea to be honest with you. Mick, we uh, haven't talked to you since um, Auburn has uh, named their starting quarterback. Uh, any surprise that it's uh, it's it's Thorson, the transfer from Michigan State? Thorn. No, and uh, Thorn. Excuse you know, me, gosh, Thorn. Yeah, Thorn. My bad. Thorne. No, look, I, I I really think that Auburn's making a lot of steps in the right direction. I think that they're a program on the rise. Hugh Freeze is perfect for the job down there. He's recruiting that way. Um, I you know I heard where he was kind of getting on the coaches at practice because he wasn't happy with some stuff. Um, they're going to be they're going to be a team to reckon with, and I hate to say it as an Alabama guy, but they're they're moving in the direction that they have to move to be able to compete, and it's about to get next year really really tough in this conference scheduling. Like what well, Alabama's got one of those schedules right now, but uh, they 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 needed to do this to be able to compete at the level that they're competing. So. Um, that's a good look. That's a good transfer quarterback because they they didn't have a quarterback last year and it really cost them. Hey, Mick, are you surprised? I don't think many were, but just your thoughts on Carson Beck being named the starter by Kirby Smart in Georgia? It seemed like it was pretty quick, but you know what? They, they he knows what he's looking for, and so they're a team that is they've got they've got just the perfect schedule to play. Uh, a quarterback that you know, hasn't started games for him. Uh, I, I don't think that there's many games on the schedule that they could lose, no matter who's their quarterback. You know, so he probably he whatever is going on there, he knows it and he's comfortable with that. Um, maybe that's the guy who stepped up and took the job. You know, that's what we're waiting on at Alabama. Somebody to step up and say, "Hey, look, I'm doing this," and and everybody just kind of knowing that that's the guy, and that must have been the situation. Yeah, um, are you surprised that pretty much every quarterback battle in the SEC has been decided and a, and a definitive starter has been named except at Alabama? Is, is that surprising to you? Yeah, it's surprising to me that we got five quarterbacks on roster and, and we don't have a starter. Uh, <laughs> but you know what? I mean, it, it is what it is. Look, Alabama has won no matter who their quarterback's been. So I'm telling you right now, a lot of it has to do with the guy who makes the least amount of mistakes. I think that's going to be what determines who is the quarterback when it's all said and done. Because you, you can you can figure out a way to get the ball down the field as long as your guys aren't turning it over. I think Alabama's going to play that kind of defense that they're known for again this year. And they just don't want somebody putting them in a bad field position or turning the ball over and making it tougher where they have to score a bunch of points. All right, Mick. We got a minute here before we close out. Is there something that uh, is on the schedule uh, in your life that you need to share with us, or do we need to wait wait another week? No, you know what? I'm pretty excited about it. Uh, you know, I got a call from the guys at the at the next round. Did a, you know them? Did a lot of radio, and they said, "Hey, oh, yeah. we want you to be part of our Bama channel." So, be doing some stuff with them, and that'll be a lot of fun. I'm really looking forward to it. 
Well, they've got the uh, streaming and online and YouTube and Facebook. they got that stuff going on. No question about it. I've worked with all of them. Uh, good guys. I wish them success, and they will have more now that they have acquired the services of the mixer. Yeah, that's they awesome. signed a free Nick. agent. Congrats. <laughs> Congratulations. Hey, love you guys. hey take care, buddy. As always, appreciate it. Get on the water because uh, on land right now is not very pleasant. Oh, wanted to uh, bring up something that um, is starting to cause concern uh, among a lot of college football as far as the way the game has been covered. Uh, we'll get into that at the top of the hour on Big Noon Sports, presented by Haley Sensing Union Home Mortgage. WTUG HD2 Northport and W265CG Tuscaloosa. Tide 100.9 and streaming on the Tide 100.9 app. A town square media station. More Big Noon Sports coming up. Hour number two, Lars Anderson, Justin Jones, myself, Matt Coulter. Thanks for tuning us in. We will talk about this slinging guy, slinging gun out of Carrollton, Georgia, Julian Lewis with Andrew Bone and also a young man from Vestavia uh, has committed as well, defensive end, who uh, was recruited by quite a few as well. But uh, Bone will join us to talk about that. I want to make a, a little note, if you will, for what's going on in week zero. Um, if my time were to allow, I would go to Paul Snow, Burgess Snowfield at Jacksonville State because Jacksonville State is making the move to Conference USA. Then they open with UTEP at um, is it 430 Eastern, 330 Central, I think, maybe flip-flop. Good exposure for the Gamecocks as they'll be playing on the CBS Sports Network. That is all good. And uh, Rich Rodriguez is cranking up year number two. And still got a lot of contacts over there, and they are busting it. So we'll see what happens, especially with the, their elevation in status in college football. Now, yeah, how, how do you think thing, that? That's a really good point. I, I, I should have we should have gotten to this earlier. The fact that it is Jacksonville State moving to Conference USA, and they open the season with a, a conference game. Um, and this comes after, you know, that Jacksonville State was one of the best teams at the FCS level. Um, do you think that, uh, that Jacksonville State can be competitive in Conference USA just right out of the gate with, uh, with Rich Rod, who by the way is one of my favorite people in all of college football. I, I've spent a lot of time with him and, you know, he, he jokes a lot about how dumb am I? I turned down Alabama and I created Nick Saban at Alabama and man, I, uh, I've wanted to write a story on, on that for a long time. Uh, but it just, it hasn't worked out because because Rich Rod is uh, so uh, engaging, and he's just—he's so much fun to be around, Matt, and um, he's fun to play golf with too. But uh, just a, a, a wonderful person overall. And uh, but uh, yeah, how, how do you think? I mean, I, you, you do know this program pretty well. How do you think they can uh, fare in Conference USA? 
Well, Jacksonville State University has not just competed, but they have excelled in every conference they've ever played in. And this goes back to my teenage days when they were playing in a really, really strong D2 division uh, and a conference called Gulf South. Um, they were always good. Uh, they've won, I think, two national championships, uh, played for a couple. Um, and when you throw Rich Rod in there and his ability to recruit and his notoriety, I, I think that makes them competitive. Um, here's, here's the one thing that concerns me. Well, there are several, but this is the main one. In the day and age of NIL, when they get a really good player at Jacksonville State University, what's going to happen? It's the same thing that... Uh, going to leave. Yep. Yeah, that Trent Dilfer was jumping up and down about. Come in here and get my players. Well, and you can't really blame the players. You can darn sure blame the system because this is a huge hole and it needs to be remedied before it ever gets to Congress because we don't we know that's not probably going to help anything, especially anytime soon. But uh, Jacksonville State does really good recruiting. They find this kid. They develop him uh, from a freshman and then a sophomore. He's, he's an All-American as a sophomore. And then, boom, he's gone to Alabama. And I'm not saying Alabama would do what's necessary and, and what Trent Dilfer was criticizing. But suddenly, if he enters the transfer portal, and he will, wouldn't you think? I hate to think about it this way, Lars, but yeah. if you're a superstar cornerback at Jacksonville State, and you've heard rumors, and certainly you've sent out feelers, that uh, you might be able to play at Tennessee, uh, are you going to enter the transfer portal? Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Go where the money is, as they should. I mean, that is the, that's the thing. That the way it's set up right now, it, it is just so unfair to the UABs and Jacksonville States and even in UTEPs of, of, of the college football world because it, we now have a system that incentivizes kids to – the best kids on the, on the mid-lean teams, they're incentivized to leave. And and you can't blame them for that. I mean, but it, it, that's yeah. Something needs to be done uh, about about all of this because that is going to be an issue for a long time uh, until this is resolved, or if it ever gets resolved. And it is just going to um, keep the you know the uh, it's going to suppress the ability of these teams to have sustained success at a high level because their rosters will get raided. And that's what you know, Trent Dilfer, uh, he's, he's been very vocal about that. And, you know, we, we actually talked about Trent uh, a good bit yesterday, but uh, you and I both uh, were, were texting with our good buddy Jay Barker about his son Harrison getting the scholarship and and just what a great moment that was for Harrison Barker, who's a, a backup quarterback at UAB, was a walk-on and a preferred walk-on and, and now is uh, on full scholarship. Um, but uh, what are your expectations, year one UAB? Ooh. Um, of the Dilfer era. They got the transfer quarterback, Zeno. Played some last year. Is that, am I getting that right? The guy from Baylor that came over a couple of years ago. I, I have no idea what to expect from them offensively. 
but I imagine they will push the ball and they'll throw the ball. They'll throw then push, however they decide to work it. But uh, they're taking a step up too. And um, that uh, the AAC is not the CS Conference USA. It's a lot better football conference. So we'll see. The pundits in preseason uh, picked them eighth, which is, I think, pretty respectable out of a 14-team league. Um, but I don't know. Uh, really interested to see what they do in the first couple of weeks because the nation's not watching. It's not just Alabama or the South. Um, he has garnered a lot of attention for the Blazers, and uh, they won't just be watching in Birmingham and Huntsville. They'll be watching all across the nation, and uh, I hope we're all very, very pleasantly surprised. Yeah. By the uh, way, let me say one other thing, which is very, very cool to our our friend, dear friend Jay Barker. Um, that's a really, really cool thing, and I can't imagine as a father how proud you must be that your son joined up, hooked up, persevered, had injuries, still busted it, and then to be awarded after practice a full scholarship, um, that has got to be cool for Harrison, certainly, but it's got to be true for number seven, too. So, that being said. No, absolutely. And uh, I've I've seen Jay watch his kids play, uh, you know, different uh, Sarah Ashley uh, for Alabama and uh, his his son who played quarterback at Alabama and then uh, now Harrison. And it's kind of interesting just to watch the proud father. Right. Just the look on his face. It is. It, it, it's uh, and, and, you know, we've all experienced that who are fathers and have kids who are, are doing well in sports. And and uh, for me and for Jay and I know for you, too, it, it is it is a much more powerful feeling of, of, of emotion when you see your child do well than what you ever did right on the field and and i know jay would uh, uh, would uh, echo that sentiment well even at the level i watched my children and now watch my grandchildren it is the most rewarding and excruciating thing you'll ever do which actually is a lot like parenthood you know <laughs> um they will put you at the the doorsteps of heaven and then the Next play, oh my, please. And then, you know, the other thing is, I'm not going to do a deep dive here, but man, when, when when other players' parents start getting on to the kid that's yours, that's really, that's why I watch a lot of football and baseball games down the lines. But anyway, <laughs> um, that, that is the situation. Yeah. Well, hey, we I got I got uh, Lincoln, my eight year old, has has uh, flag football practice tonight at six thirty, and uh, the coach told me, in, in after the first practice, that the offense is going to run through Lincoln. <laughs> They're going to put him in motion every single offensive play, and it's either he's either going to get the ball or they're going to fake it and and, and uh, do a misdirection or a double pass. I mean, he, he's this coach. He's he's awesome. I love him. He's got uh, uh, a lot of creativity in his playbook, and uh, yeah, every play is going to be the same. It's either it's Lincoln motion left, Lincoln motion right, fake, or give him the ball. Uh, so it should be a fun season. 
Lars, I want to talk briefly before we take our break and bring in Andrew Bone. Uh, another announcement concerning game day to, today in ESPN. Uh, we all know that they have decided to let David Pollock go. Mistake, mistake. But uh, mistake. now, after 25 years, Lee Fitting has been dismissed. He was a senior vice president of production um, and, and was the, the big guy. Uh, as far as game day is concerned, um, I think people that listen to this show and know college football and television know what happens behind the scenes and how important those people are. But I, I think sooner or later, these uh, these losses are going to hurt ESPN even more than we realize right now. Because I'll guarantee you, you'll be able to notice somewhere some sometime in game one, There'll be a flaw. There'll be a mistake. Somebody will be told to do something when they shouldn't have, and it will be evident. And I just wonder, and a lot of people are on social media, how much longer game day is going to be around? And I can answer that question quite simply, as long as it continues to make money. Andrew yeah. Pone. I'll say, I'll say this. If, 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 if any programming on ESPN had football, Lee Fitting was in charge of it. I mean, yeah, this is, yeah, yeah, I, 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 yeah, Lee Fitting is, he is a amazing guy and, uh, I've gotten to know him pretty good over the years. He'll be at CBS or some Fox, uh, very shortly. Guys like that with their experience. Hey, uh, back to the bone in a minute. Tuscaloosa weather. Sizzling summer weather continues today. The sky's sunny. Tuscaloosa's high 99. Tonight fair with the low at 76. For tomorrow and Thursday, very hot and dry. Hazy sunshine both days with highs near 100. I'm James Spann on the ABC 3340 Weather Center on Tide 100.9. It's 96 degrees in Tuscaloosa. From T-Town to the Plains, this is Alabama's most in-depth analysis on the SEC. This is Big Noon Sports. George Thorogood brings Andrew Bone on to Big Noon Sports. Andrew, I wasn't very familiar with the name Julian Lewis until I got up this morning. But now, a 15-year-old is the, the lead story of all the college football publications across the United States of America. Can you give us your thoughts on him, how long you've been following him, and is he worthy of all of this massive coverage? Well, Juju Lewis, is a, uh, he's a pretty special talent. Of course, he's, uh, he's only a sophomore, but you know, he's got an uh, you know, uh, unbelievable future ahead of him, I believe. He had a you know, tremendous freshman season for Carrollton High School um, in Georgia, led them to the uh, state title game before um, they actually lost to uh, Caleb Downs' uh, Mill Creek team uh, in the state finals. But, you know, he, he had an unbelievable uh, freshman season. Uh, all the hype is real around him. I mean, he's an elite prospect. And it's certainly going to be, or certainly considered the, um, you know, the number one recruit in the 2026 recruiting class, so he is a uh, he's he's a good talent there. And so yeah, today he announced his commitment to USC, which was obviously a big pickup uh, for Lincoln Riley and his staff. And you know, there's been some talk about USC over the course of the last uh, few months, ever since he took a visit out there back in back in June. And you know, we kind of felt like it was uh, 
you know, a pretty tight battle between Alabama, USC, and Georgia. Took a couple visits to Alabama during the summer. Was at the uh, was at the cookout in late July. Was also there in June. Got a couple teammates who are committed to Alabama. Caleb Odom, the number two tight end in the country, and uh, his center, uh, who is also in the 2026 class, uh, Zaki Helton, uh, committed to Alabama uh, in July. So. I'm sure those two guys are probably going to continue to try to recruit him uh, to Tuscaloosa. But, uh, you know, first round uh, goes to uh, to USC and Lincoln Riley. Um, it'll be interesting to kind of see what happens over the course of the next year or so with uh, Juju Lewis because there has been a lot of talk behind the scenes that he might reclassify to the 2025 recruiting class. Um, and that could be a, uh, obviously a – a big boost for USC. I, I think that if he does reclassify, I think it'd be tough for Alabama to get him just because, you know, this recruiting class right here, you have a five-star quarterback in Julian saying, just came off winning the elite 11. I, I think it's, I think there are some kids out there that are strongly considering Alabama in that 2025 class, George McIntyre out of uh, Brentwood Academy. Um, Bryce Underwood out of Michigan. Those are two guys in 2025 that have expressed a lot of interest in Alabama to this point. Deuce Knight uh, out of George County in Mississippi, another guy. Uh, but I think following in a recruiting class after you know getting a five-star quarterback, it's going to be tough. It's going to be tough for Alabama to pull somebody. And I, I think that there was I, – I definitely think that there was some belief that if – Juju Lewis was in that 2025 class. It would be tough for, for Alabama to get him. So we'll see what happens over the course of the next year. Now, if he does stick and remain in that 2026 class, all we got to say is that there's a, a long way to go uh, in his recruitment. And, you know, we know that Georgia is not going to let up because he is, you know, not only is he you know, the number one recruit in uh, the state of Georgia, uh, you know, he'll be the number one recruit in the nation. So they don't want to, you know, Georgia doesn't want to lose a top-end guy, a kid that's been to Alabama several times. Alabama's probably going to obviously continue to recruit him, especially if he's in 2026 class. But, um, yeah, he's a uh, he's a great player and a uh, you know, big win today for, uh, for Lincoln Riley. I know this comparison isn't really fair because Trent Seaborn at Thompson is younger than uh, this kid who just committed to USC from Georgia. But where is Trent Seaborn? Again, he's just, he, he, as an eighth grader, he led, led Thompson to, uh, the Alabama, uh, class 7A state championship last year. Um, where is he in the, in the recruiting process and is he developing the way that you anticipated? Well, I don't, I don't think that we're going to really know until after this season. You know, we obviously, you know, everybody saw what he was able to do in that state championship game and you know, had an unbelievable, um, you know, finish to the season. But, you know, what's he going to be able to do as a, as a true freshman uh, going throughout you know, this season? You know, will he be able to you know, guide Thompson to potentially another state title? Will he... Uh, Will he fall back uh, a little bit, or is he continuing to develop and going to continue to be, uh, you know, one of these top end guys that we're going to be following, you know, for the next several years? I, I still think, you know, what we want to see out of um, Trent Seaborn is, um, you know, a little bit more size. 
uh, you know, can he get a little bit, you know, he needs to get a little bit bigger. Um, you know, mass-wise, uh, you know, height, uh, you'd like to see him grow a couple more inches. Um, but I think just putting on good weight, um, continuing to get stronger, bigger, uh, continuing to um, work on his mechanics and, you know, work on film study. Uh, you know, there's a lot of schools out there that like him at this stage um, where he is as a class of 2027 recruit there's a lot of schools that are interested and we've seen a lot of offers I don't know how many of those schools are going to pick up the phone and say hey you can commit to us right now you know, they want to see how he plays this season maybe after this season you know, there's an opportunity there uh, for him to do that but I think a lot of schools are going to you know, just continue to watch him see how he develops over the course of the next couple of years but he's on a good path right now uh and he's certainly a kid that you know a lot of schools have uh, on their radar this early in the process andrew bone is our guest on big noon sports jordan ross an edge rusher defensive end at vestavia has committed to tennessee what kind of player is he and was i guess alabama georgia he, he was a he's an elite player isn't he well, he's a good player. Uh, you know, there's a lot of schools out there that you know, had interest in him, recruited him. Um, you know, when he committed yesterday, I, yeah, I think Tennessee was really kind of the only school that was that was really in it there. Texas uh, was a uh, it was in contention, but he had taken visits to Alabama, Georgia, uh, Florida. I don't know, and I know he did the little hat fake with Florida, but I, you know, I don't know if Florida was really that much in it late in the process. I think it's been really a Tennessee-Texas recruiting battle over the course of the last uh, you know, few weeks, maybe in the last month. I don't really see Alabama or Georgia as being really in contention for him much. I don't think they were really you know, prioritizing him uh, you know, at this at this point. And I think you know, he's probably a guy they want to continue to watch a little bit more. A little thin. He's, a lot of these schools are, you know, looking for these edge rushers that are in the, you know, 230, 235, 240 range. You know, Alabama's got a couple big targets that they're going after um, that are in the 240 range right now. It's kind of same with Georgia. Um, Jordan Ross, you know, a little thinner, about 215 pounds, but he's got some great speed uh, as explosive. But, he, you know, he's a guy that probably, you know, not an immediate impact player right away, but probably a guy that, you know, can develop, continue to get bigger, and uh, you know, best days are kind of ahead of him. So, interested to see how uh, how he develops over the course of a couple of years. And, you, know, you never know. Maybe uh, a school like Alabama circles back around to him after the season. Uh, but you know, there's some other targets that Alabama's really going after that I think they've got a you know probably a really good chance to land in the next couple months. Andrew, I have a writer friend who's working on a book, and for the book, he has uh, essentially embedded with the family of Julian Sain, and um, he just can't uh, uh, offer enough praise for the family. It, they're uh, just really quality people. Uh, they're well-established and that Julian is just all about ball. Like he, he doesn't care about NIL. He just, uh, he wants to go to Alabama because he believes that that is the best program 
where he can develop into an NFL quarterback. And uh, from what I gather, he's you know he's on the phone quite a bit with Coach Saban. And uh, and and my friend has sort of deduced from all of this that Nick Saban absolutely loves this kid, loves this kid. And is there anyone that Julian Sane reminds you of? And and and, and also he, that he's firmly Alabama. Like there's no way he's going to go anywhere else. But does uh, he have the potential to be? You know, in the class of, of a, of a Tua at Alabama or, you know, a, a Mac Jones when he led Alabama, uh, uh, to a national championship. Yeah. I mean, I, I think he's, I actually think he's kind of similar to Bryce Young. Um, you know, he's a little bit taller, uh, but has kind of similar mechanics. And I think some of that probably has to do with they have the same, uh, they worked out at the same facility and, um, you know, I've, I've used the same trainers out in California in the past. And, and I talked to one of Julian's trainers last week, uh, Jose Moeller, and just asked him, you know, what can he, you know, what can he do to get better? And, you know, what has he done to get better for his senior season? And he said, you know, the biggest thing that he's been able to do is, you know, being able to create plays when all else fails um being able to to recognize when something you know when the play's broken down you know he can you know go out on a limb and and create some sort of uh magical moment uh that's going to get get you you know positive yards and you know i this past weekend didn't have a you know I think everybody looks at quarterbacks and they're like, man, you know, these top end quarterbacks in high school, they need to have four or 500 yards passing a game. And I've seen that with some kids that have not been worth anything, uh, once they got to college. And, uh, Julian had a gr- good performance, had 195 yards passing. I think he was you know, 24, 32 passing, um, couple touchdowns and led his team on the road against a really tough, uh, Inglewood. Uh, California team, um, you know, so I had a, had a good showing there. So, you know, he is, uh, you know, he's a kid that is incredibly smart. Uh, he's a great leader and he's always kind of looking to learn more. He doesn't think he's better than somebody else. He doesn't think that he doesn't need to learn anything else. He's kind of, you know, he's going to practice every day or going to his trainer. What can he do? to improve and you know he hasn't let it get to his head at all and that's kind of what we saw with Bryce Young um you know coming out and and you know we've seen that with a lot of guys too it was like that um there's so much hype around these kids but they also know that you know this isn't this isn't the end result that they want they don't want to be the the best high school football quarterback in the country they want to be the best college quarterback in the country they want to be the best you know, potentially NFL quarterback uh, in the country. So I think that, you know, this is a kid that's got a, you know, very, uh, very bright future. I mean, six foot one, 195 pounds, strong arm, um, very smart. And, uh, you know, he won the Elite 11 and on three sports named him as the best quarterback in the country. I know some other sites that have, uh, Dylan Rayola who's committed to Georgia as number one, but, um, you know, he can, he can compete with Dylan. And, uh, you know, he's certainly a, uh, going to be a, a kid that I think is going to make a, a major, major impact. And I kind of feel the same way about Julian as I did with 
uh, with Bryce and Tua when they were coming out of high school. And I just feel like this is a kid that is almost a can't-miss type prospect. Wow. Uh, Andrew, can you hang on for a few more minutes through the break? Yeah, sure. Okay, cool. Um, we'll continue with Andrew Bone. Andrew, as we go out, tell everybody where we uh, can follow you. Follow me on BamaOnline.com. That's the way to get in touch with Andrew Bone. We'll get back. We'll uh, talk about some of the incoming freshmen to um, Alabama and Auburn and contributions in the upcoming season. That's Big Moon Sports presented by Haley Sansing, Union Home Mortgage. Securing the best mortgage possible requires a lender who has knowledge, is trustworthy, and treats customers like family. And no one is better at all of this than the mortgage miracle worker, Haley Sansing. Based right here in Tuscaloosa, Haley Sansing has spent decades working in the mortgage industry. With Haley, it's personal, holding your hand from contract to close. With Haley, it's about one thing, you. Call Haley on her cell, yes, her cell, 205-792-1813. That's 205-792-1813. Let Haley help you. NLMS number 230376. 365-247. You'll find road and utility crews, tow truck, law enforcement, and first responders working along Alabama's roadway. We're making improvements and helping our communities stay connected. We're working hard to make sure you're safe on the road. Now we need your help to make sure we're safe, too. Alabama's move over law requires you to move over a lane when you see flashing lights on the roadside. And if you can't safely move over, please slow down. Visit drivesafealabama.org. Brought to you by the Alabama Department of Transportation, Alabama Broadcasters Association, and this station. This is the Big Noon Sports Network. When we go inside Alabama, as we are doing with Andrew Bone. These interviews are brought to you by our friend Laura Lee Thompson, the Bama broker with the Advantage Realty Group. I, I think we're all familiar uh, with the Caleb Downs and the Keeleys and um, with Justice Haynes. Uh, certainly those people are – those guys are expected to contribute uh, coming out of August. Um, are there a couple others that you, uh, you feel like are going to get a lot of playing time as first-year player at Alabama? Hey, y'all hadn't heard that uh, Dylan Lonergan is the uh, starting quarterback at Alabama yet? Well, Mick Gillespie thinks so. <laughs> but, uh, do talk about him a little bit. You know, Dylan's an interesting prospect because, you know, he wasn't even supposed to, uh, you know, many people didn't even think he was going to be in the in the recruiting class after Alabama was able to uh, get an early commitment from Eli Holstein. You know, no way that Alabama was going to take two quarterbacks in the 2024 class, but we kept kind of, t- or 2023 class, we kept telling people, you know, he's a target. They want two quarterbacks. This is a guy they, they really had high interest in. And you know, he's a star baseball player um, and was supposed to enroll in May. Well, he ended up getting hurt late in his senior season, hurt his shoulder, uh, decided really in late December to enroll early he wasn't even going to enroll but uh decided late to go ahead and enroll early start training uh go through rehab get everything back to uh to normal with his shoulder so he was able to go through spring practice um had a good spring and has really you know 
I, I don't want to say he's made things interesting as far as a starting quarterback, but I think he's made things difficult as far as potentially redshirting him. I, I think that you know he is in that discussion for potentially you know, being you know the number two or even you know maybe even just the number three guy. Um, I think he's impressed a lot of coaches. Um, you know, he's not the biggest guy. He's probably around six foot one and a half, uh, you know, but he's 200 pounds, um, tremendous athlete, and, and just a, you know, a uh, you know, really smart football player. So really intrigued to see kind of where things go with him over the course of, you know, not just this year, but over the course of the next couple of years. Because as we've just you know, talked about, you know, there are players that are coming in. Julian Sain is going to come in and, and uh, you know, really uh, make that quarterback room a lot better. But, you know, you look at Alabama's class this past year, and we talked about how, you know, it was one of Coach Saban's best recruiting classes. On paper, it was the best recruiting class in the Saban era. Now, we're not going to be able to say it's the best class in the Saban era for a couple more years. You know, we got to wait and see. Who's going to make you know a big impact on this team? You know who is going to get get drafted? Who's going to help you know potentially win national championships? And um, you know one guy that probably hasn't gotten a I don't know how many people are talking about him. Maybe there are a lot of people, but you know you look at Jordan Renault, uh, defensive lineman out of uh, Tyler, Texas, who came in at six foot three and a half, two hundred and forty pounds. A lot, a lot of people were calling him a a tweener, you know, what position was he going to play? Was he going to end up being a, a jack linebacker? Was he going to be on the defensive front? And we kept thinking, you know, as long as he can get to campus, start working out, he's going to get the size put on him. Right? That's never really an issue. You, know, you look at Quinn and Williams, Jonathan Allen, guys who were in that six foot three, 250 pound range when they were uh, coming out of high school. Got three hundred pound defensive lineman now, uh, and obviously you know two of the best defensive linemen in the, in the uh, NFL. But you know, this is a kid that uh, I think we're going to see him on the field. I think he's going to get into the rotation. Uh, you know Malik Benson, even though he's JUCO guy, um, you know we had high expectations for him as being the number one junior college player in the country. And uh, I think he's got a great chance to uh, uh, to. Uh, not only start, but I, I think he's got a great chance to be a, a major impact player, um, potentially even you know the, the leading receiver on on Alabama's team this year. So, you know, there's some great freshman guys in this in in that 2023 class, and there's a lot of them that probably aren't going to be talked about until next year or the year after. You got to give some some of these guys some some time to develop. But you know, one other kid that we've obviously heard. Uh, a good bit about is uh, Cole Adams uh, out of uh, out of Oklahoma, uh, potentially as a punt and kick returner uh, for Alabama this year. And this is a kid that uh, had a unbelievable junior season. Then went into his senior year, uh, like he had a uh, you know, major shoulder uh, injury in his first game. I think he had a hundred and like forty yards receiving uh, in his first in the first half of his first game of his senior season and then got hurt in the second half, missed the entire season, uh, enrolled early at Alabama, went through, you know, went through uh, all the rehab and all that good stuff, and now he's back to 100%, and his speed never left. I mean, this is one of the fastest guys on Alabama's football team, and 
um, you know, can make big plays uh, on special teams. So I think this is another kid that we're, we're going to hear a lot about this this football season. Alabama's class of uh, 2024 commitments is up to 18, I believe. And, uh, again, as we, we've talked about, pretty much headlined by quarterback Julian Sand. Um, how would you uh, describe the, what Alabama's been able to do this summer and uh, in in of, of of the eighteen, other than Julian saying who sort of uh, sticks out to you, and and finally, how many commitments or how many how many players does uh, Nick Saban and company want to take in this class? Yeah, obviously, you know, a lot of people say they don't they don't ever worry too much about Alabama recruiting because Nick Saban's still going to get a lot of guys. Well, I think with NIL. Um, it certainly has changed a lot of things. It's made a lot more recruitment uh, interesting. But you, know, you look at Alabama's class right now, number four recruiting class in the country per on three sports, uh, 18 commitments. Um, you, know, you look at the class and, you know, where did Alabama really need to have you know, success? And I look at, you know, defensive backwise. You know, they Find some, you know, find some great safeties last year. What, what were they going to do at the cornerback position in this class? They got an early commitment from Jalen Mbakwe, five-star DB out of, uh, uh, out of Clay Chalkville. They were able to go out to California, uh, get a, a stud defensive back in Xavier Brown out of, uh, Mater Day, same high school as Bryce Young. Um, and then, you know, also going to Florida and get Jameer Grimsley, who's a, a six foot two, um, hundred and, you know, 85 pound cornerback. They also were able to go out to California and flip uh, Peyton Woodyard uh, away from his commitment from uh, from Georgia. So, you know, a lot of good defense back commitments. Red Morgan out of Central High School, Phoenix City. I uh, just added Drake Kirkpatrick Jr., which made me feel um, extremely old because I was at Dre's. Uh, announcement back in 2009. Yeah. I, 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 I gotta, hey, I gotta, I gotta ask you more about Drake Kirkpatrick Jr. Like, just okay, what, what kind of player is he? And yeah, I, this is insane. Like, it, it makes us all feel so old. Listen, I've been covering recruiting for six years before I went to Drake's uh, announcement. So that just made me feel uh, ancient. But, you know, this is a kid who, a little bit different than his dad. I mean, Drake came out six foot two. I think 185 pounds, and Ray Kirkpatrick Jr. is five foot ten and a half, 198. He measured 198 pounds uh, at Alabama's camp last month. Physical safety, uh, kind of a ball hog. I mean, he had you know 80 something tackles during his uh, during his junior season. I mean, he'll come up and absolutely pop you. Uh, yeah, I talked to Dre uh, Senior the other day, and he. He told me, you know, I call him Mark Barron Jr. because he's a downhill runner. He's going to come up. Uh, and he's not afraid of anybody. So it's going to be interesting to see um, how he develops over the next couple of years and see if he might get a little bit of that height uh, uh, added to his frame uh, in the next year or so. Because he was only about 5'8 uh, last year. He's grown about two and a half inches in the last year. Uh, so he can continue to grow. But... Uh, yeah, that was while um, Alabama adding uh, its first uh, Nick Saban legacy uh, recruit uh, during this era. Um, I don't know if there's going to be another one, but uh, he he was definitely the uh, the first one. But um, you know, going back to Alabama's, you know, some of the other positions, I think 
you know, linebacker uh, is an area that Alabama's had success. Um, you know, getting Sterling Dixon uh, early out of uh, originally out of Mobile Christian, not Spanish Fork, getting Caden Jones out of North Carolina, uh, Justin Okoro out of uh, out of Germany, and you know, now you're looking at what is Alabama going to be able to do the rest of the way? Are they going to be able to you know add a running back in this class? They don't have any running backs uh, quite yet. Are they going to be able to? Uh, get an offensive tackle they they have three interior offensive linemen in this class will they be able to get a tackle like jordan seaton out of img academy he's you know right at the top of the uh top of the wish list and defensive line uh always a uh a premium and they have two defensive line commitments but you know still looking for another player or two um so certainly uh certainly still a long way to go uh in this recruiting process four months left uh there's a lot that can change and you know, I, I certainly expect more names to kind of emerge as the season uh, progresses. You may have mentioned this as we uh, let you go. Appreciate your time, Bone. But uh, where is Alabama right now in the upcoming class as far as uh, some of these, you know, research? Currently. Uh, as the polls. Yeah, currently ranked number four. Um, according to Andre, you know, that kind of averages out uh, all the different uh, recruiting sites. Uh, that are out there. I think there's a little bit more uh, ways a little heavier towards you know, some of the sites that uh, spend a lot more time and energy out on the road seeing kids. Uh, they got different recruiting analysts in each state. I think ESPN uh, doesn't really count ESPNs as much just because I think they they might have one or two guys in their entire network that um, that see that, that they go out and see kids, but um, but all the other ones out. Uh, excuse me. Um, on three, twenty-four-seven uh, rivals all kind of get weighed the same in the uh, in the team rankings, and uh, so we have them at number four right now. So we'll see kind of how it shakes out. Of course, you know there's a lot of recruiting rankings that change over the course of of, uh, of a football season, so that will have a lot to do with it as well. Always great to talk to you and to catch up. Thank you for your time, Andrew Bone. Great stuff. Hey. Great stuff, Andrew. Yeah, Thank you, bud. Y'all have, have a good week. You too. Thanks. Uh, Lars, is another one of those uh, documentaries uh, that has just come out. This one's called Untold Swamp King. Untold, colon, Swamp Kings. It's about Florida and the Urban Meyer era. A uh, couple of notes on there we didn't know before. That's coming up on Big Noon Sports, by the way. Interview with the Bone, presented by Laura Lee Thompson, the Bama Broker, Advantage Realty Group. Wide 100.9, Tuscaloosa weather. Sizzling summer weather continues today. The sky's sunny, Tuscaloosa's high 99. Tonight, fair with a low at 76. For tomorrow and Thursday, very hot and dry. Hazy sunshine both days with highs near 100. I'm James Spann of the ABC 3340 Weather Center on Tide 100.9. It's 96 degrees in Tuscaloosa. Covering SEC sports like Good Zoo on the roadside. This is Big Noon Sports. Here, 96 degrees. Hey, thanks for joining us. Thank you, Justin Jones, for running the controls for Lars Anderson and myself. Untold Swamp Kings story about Urban Meyer at Florida. 
And, of course, they're going to punch this in all the headlines. But And he goes into detail. He talks about it in this documentary. He says um, that he was addicted to Ambien and at one point thought he was going to die. So, you know, he had health issues. And was this just part of them or was it the main focus? I haven't seen the documentary, so I really don't know. Yeah, I haven't either. Um I, I do know that the, the Gators had 31 players arrested under Urban Meyer uh, during his tenure in Gainesville. And um, from what I gather, that those issues are touched on uh, with player behavior, but it's not a major point of emphasis. And... Um, and I, I, you know, people always want to know about Aaron Hernandez. Um, we've discussed this that I wrote a book with Aaron Hernandez's brother, Jonathan. And we in the book, uh, The Truth About Aaron, go into his time at Florida. And, um, he does not have a lot of love for Urban Meyer, um, according to his brother. Uh, but, you know, when when you look back at that at, at that time uh, for Florida, and it, it really it it covers Irvin, and it, it's four episodes, and, and the documentary is going to be released on Netflix uh, today. Um, and so Florida ends up they win two national championships in three years, right? In two thousand six and two thousand eight, they have so much NFL talent on the roster. Um, on their rosters. Um, what do you remember about that run that Florida had? I just remember, well, they had Tebow. And then memory's going to fail me on the guy that actually did quarterback them to a national championship as a starter. Chris Leak. Tebow was an under, yeah, Leak. Um, they just had talent everywhere. And if you're the yeah. head coach at Florida, you should have talent everywhere. You uh, should. Stuff too. And, I, and I'm not jumping on Billy Napier because, um, you know, he's got connections to Huntsville. I think his wife is from there. But maybe his mother. It's his mother. But anyway, that's of no consequence here. Uh, you ought to be able to get players there. Urban was able to get them. Um, I, and I think of, of those teams, don't you remember Tim Tebow the most? And, and in fact, according to what I read this morning on Swamp Kings, um, it was the loss to Alabama in the SEC championship game that kind of sent him over the edge for a while. And that was, uh, of course, that's the one where everybody talks about Tim Tebow crying. Why not, man? <laughs> you just had your heart broken. Um, but, you know, I understand the jokes about it, but after a while, it's not funny. That's just me. Uh, people yeah. Tuscaloosa are going, Matt, be quiet. Yeah, okay, that's fine, too. But... Uh, <laughs> It was uh, it was an error of great prominence. It didn't surprise me. Um, you do have to wonder um, if Urban wasn't kind of letting the inmates run the asylum there for a little while. But then you had guys like Tebow that could keep coming those, some of those guys straight. But uh, now I just remember all the talent, and uh, then you know there were things going on off the field, and I think those teams will obviously be related to the success of Tim Tebow. Well, speaking of Tebow, this is the ultimate kind of what if question. If Tebow, at the you know, it came down to Alabama and Florida, and those of us who were around then remember this vividly. Uh, his his announcement and and Mike Shula 
really thought that Tebow was coming to Alabama. He had just spent the entire like previous day with him, and they they shared so many similarities. Um, and uh, I think Shula was shocked that uh, that Tebow didn't end up in Tuscaloosa. But if Tebow does end up in Tuscaloosa, does that mean that there is no Nick Saban at Alabama? This is a great barroom talk. <laughs> yeah, uh-huh. I know. And like I said, it's it's a what if, uh, yeah, barroom sort of discussion. Yeah, I mean, you could go around. Let's go around the table. Um, my initial statement is probably no. I mean, Tebow may have gotten Alabama to more wins under Shula. Don't you think? Yeah, I think I, 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 I think uh, you know Shula. He couldn't ever. I mean, correct me if I'm wrong. Uh, I'm just doing this from memory off of, you know, some books that I've written. But he never landed like that that program changing kind of talent, right, of, of, of a player, uh, of, of, of especially someone of the caliber of, of a Tim Tebow, correct? Well, he got McElroy. Yeah, he wasn't. Yeah. <laughs> no, no, Greg was not. No, not at all. But he wasn't Tim Tebow. No, no. But yes, uh, he started more games as a national championship quarterback than Tebow did. Does that count? Yeah, yeah, that's uh, that's fair. Um, no. I, I've always thought, and, and, and look, I, I don't know Tim Tebow. I, I've never met him. He seems like a really wonderful person, a good Christian, and uh, but. I've always thought he's been a little overrated. I mean, to, to call him like one of the two or three greatest players in college football history is mind boggling. Guy couldn't right, complete me, a 20, guy couldn't complete a 20 yard out pass. All right. Um, better college quarterback, Stetson Bennett or Tim Tebow? <laughs> All right. I got uh, T- Tim Tebow. He did win a playoff game, right? For, uh, uh, the yeah. Denver Broncos. He had some kind of 80-yard pass. But he drilled it. It was a perfect pass. But, uh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, then he, what, he mess around on the Jets the next year and eventually was out of it. He finished at Jacksonville with the Jaguars trying to be a tight end, didn't he? Yeah. Yeah. Urban, his first year, he brought Tim Tebow in. And and uh, I think that's when a lot of the Jaguar players were like, what is Urban Meyer doing? Because it became it became this sideshow, right? And uh, like a freak show. Uh, because all of the attention in that preseason camp was on a guy who was never going to make the 53-man roster. <laughs> I mean, all the attention was on the fifth string tight end, you know. And it's just as a co- – and, and he took – you know, you could only take 90 guys to camp. And he, he took the space of, uh, the slot of someone who had a, you know, could have maybe legitimately contributed, even if just as a, as a practice squad player. Um, but no, I, I, and I think that was the first, to me, that was the first indication that Urban Meyer is, is in over his head here at Jacksonville. Um, and you know, there's been a lot of college coaches where things just absolutely didn't work out. And, you know, you and I have spent so much time around both college coaches and NFL coaches. And it's just a completely different way of treating your players. 
right? And uh, I don't think Urban Meyer, uh, and he's, Urban Meyer is a really smart guy. I've known him a long time, did a story on him when he was at Bowling Green um, and, and just sort of getting started. And he was as intense as ever, even back then. Um, but yeah, he, he just uh, did not do well uh, in the NFL. And we had Matt Finkus on the other day, uh, former Ohio State All-American, who is uh, close with Urban. And uh, I, I think he just saw Urban the other day. And, you know, Matt was pretty adamant that Urban Meyer is uh, not going to be coaching uh, again, and that he's uh, pretty happy with his uh, career in television. And... Uh... As a coach, football will probably be better off. Don't know. So, you know, somebody will come along, flash a bunch of money. You really, you can never say never in a situation like that. So, anyway. Hey, Lawrence, enjoyed it. Want to thank the Bone, Andrew Bone, and also thank our, our first hour guest, Mick Gillespie. And we'll be back in 22 hours on Big Noon Sports. <laughs> 